I always have a sense as we begin these retreats of entering this living stream of, of consciousness that goes back in time and really through all traditions in a way. It's just this rich living stream. And every spiritual tradition offers a way of stepping out of our habituality, our preoccupations. And whether it's going into the desert or the mountains or um, Sabbath or Shabbat or uh, turning towards Mecca, ways of pausing and entering sacred space, really coming home. And in Buddhism, the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree and it was coming in, in stopping the seeking and the moving and the trying to get somewhere and just coming into stillness. Um, there's something about this willingness to stop doing, to stop trying to control or manage our life or get somewhere else that enables us to have that homecoming in an inner way. So I think of that a lot when we come together, that all of a sudden it's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, get somewhere, do something. You know, here we are. And there's some amazing grace that's possible when we're willing to stop like that. And I'm also aware, and this is increasingly over the years, that we're waking up awareness together in a way that is directly and profoundly healing of our world. That we're not just sitting for our own self to wake up. That it's a shared process and that it ripples and it's so essential for our world. I think about so much how the Dalai Lama said that if every eight-year-old was taught to meditate, was taught mindfulness, in the next generation there would be no more war. And that just keeps hitting me because we can feel it intuitively and there's all this research now about how mindfulness reduces bias. It can reduce racial violence. It reduces bullying. You know, it's like in some way as we pause and get to connect with our inner life, we become more connected with each other and able to be with each other with loving, open hearts. So that's the hope. Your, your practice makes a difference to the world and I'm really grateful you're here um, to be part of that. Let's take a pause together. Like I've been talking a lot and just uh, take a moment to arrive together. As one writer puts it, make a clearing in the dense forest of your life. To make a clearing in the dense forest of your life. Notice what it's like to consciously pause. You might sense if it's possible to let go a little. And you might sense if there's some part of your body that wants to relax or dissolve or let go a little. And you might notice this body sitting here breathing. 
Let your senses be awake. And with a gentle attention, begin to notice what it's like inside right now. It's an honest presence with the life that's here and a friendly presence. Maybe you'll notice in pausing that there's a lot of vibrating aliveness. Or maybe you'll notice a weightiness or tiredness. You might notice the state of your heart. Maybe there's anxiety about what's to come, excitement. Maybe there's gratitude. Or maybe you're aware of something that you carried that's really part of your life right now, some loss, some grief. See if you can welcome all the parts of your inner life right now. physical aches and pains or the flow and aliveness. The difficult emotions, the easy and pleasant ones. Sensing that heart space that can include what's here. You might widen the attention, sensing that heart space that includes the Sangha or community that's gathered. Aware of all the different weaves of difference in our mandala, welcoming the difference. Welcoming the difference in color or sexual orientation gender identification, perhaps physical ability or capacity, geography, age. There's real grace when our hearts wake up and very consciously welcome ourselves and each other Take a few full breaths, and as you're ready, opening your eyes. There's a story uh, that Rabbi Zalman Schachter told about his youngest daughter. Her name was Shalvi. She was about five years old in this story. 
And she, goes, she wakes up in the morning and she says to him, you know how when you're asleep and dreaming it seems so real and then you wake up and you realize it was just a dream? When you're awake, can you wake up that much more and realize this is just a dream? Five years old. <laughs> Pretty good, right? So I was thinking about that and how often we refer to when we get stuck or caught that we're in some sort of a a trance or a dream. And how one of the ways that we know we've fallen asleep, we get kind of attuned to the flags of that trance. Just want to check in on sound. Am I, can you hear me okay? Is anybody having a hard time? Because I know my voice is a little ragged. So the flags of trance are, and this is, I'm, I'm speaking because I'm going to be speaking to some, just some guidelines that help me as I move through retreat. One of them is judging, when we find ourselves judging ourselves or others. And another is when we realize we've left our body and we're completely lost in thought. And another is when we're speeding up and we're sensing we're on our way somewhere else. And the whole deal is that it doesn't work. I mean, we end up feeling worse when we're lost in those flags, when those flags are playing out. It's like Lily Tomlin said, you know, that even if you win a rat race, you're still a rat, you know. So it's like, no matter how much we start, you know, racing along, it doesn't, doesn't work. So one of the beautiful invitations here is um, the slowing down we we're talking about, that we can deepen our attention and, and really have this inner quietness that develops. Um, we're kind of in this temporary monastery together, and part of waking up from the dream is as we slow down, how much more we notice. I, I often say that when I go half as fast, I notice twice as much. So I want to just bring that out right at the beginning. And that doesn't mean that when you're leaving this room, you're on super slow motion because you want to wake up from a trance because then it just, we get, you know, log jammed here. But it means that as you move through the whole retreat, you take time to pause and you take time to really let in what's here and you do slow down. The poet Rilke said, all this hurrying soon will be over. Only when we tarry do we touch the holy. So let's tarry together, okay? You know, one, I have one of my favorite uh, little readings is called um, In Praise of Loitering. We can loiter together. So a few guidelines um, on what helps me as I move through that I hope will help you. And they're really relational guidelines. And one ha- they, some of them have to do with how we relate to our inner life, some how we relate to each other, and some to practice. And the main thing in terms of relating to our inner life that feels really valuable is that our complete deep habit is to monitor, to have an idea of how we should be doing, to notice the difference between that and what's actually happening, and to think we're doing something wrong. That is the deep, deep conditioning. And it's an amazing thing if you right from the get-go know that's what happens, that's part of the way our brains work, And you have this uh, commitment in some deep way to notice it and to intend to befriend. 
And I recommend having a mantra of some sort that when you find that you're in some way caught in being at war with what's happening inside you, and it could be that the mantra is just this too. And that's a, that's a real solid mantra. It's a really good one. It could be yes, that you say yes. Um, it could be I, lately, last, lately meaning last few years, I say this belongs. I find that really, really helpful, just saying this belongs. It's like as much as any other wave in the ocean, this belongs. It really helps me. The bottom line is that self-judgment obscures reality. It doesn't matter how true it seems, it's obscuring reality. And this is about reality, waking up. So in some way can we leave the superego, the, the monitor, the evaluator at the door? Um, it's, it's like, I often think of that, that little story of these kids, I think they're at a Catholic school cafeteria, and they're in the lunch line, and there's this big pile of apples, and there's a big sign saying, take only one, God is watching, you know. And then at the end of the line, there's a pile of cookies, and there's a handwritten note, a kid must have done it, take all you want, God's watching the apples, you know. So just leave the superego at the door. It's kind of, um, some of you might have heard Julia Child's remark, if you drop the lamb, just pick it up. Who will know, you know? (laughs) So as much as you can, the intention to befriend. That's part one. Okay, relating to others. So there's a reason that over millennia, people have gathered, humans have gathered together to practice. And there's something that happens in the field of practice when we're together, the shared intentionality and the support, and we sometimes call it a metta field or a loving-kindness field, that when we have a shared intention to um, be with each other and care and wake up together, there's just some magic that happens, and you can feel it, and you can feel it over the days that, 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 again, that field becomes more palpable. And yet the challenge is we're going against a certain kind of conditioning that, especially when things are difficult, makes us feel like we're in this self-bubble, like I'm in here and everyone else is out there. And it's a really deep conditioning. I mean, Mother Teresa said the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of not belonging. Most of us, especially when things don't feel good, feel a sense of not belonging. We're not belonging to ourselves, so we don't feel so much belonging with each other. And then that sets up a whole feeling of mistrust and judgment and uneasiness and so on. And so it takes intentionality. And and I want to acknowledge that um, we come in to retreats and there's a lot of insecurity um, there's a lot of nervousness and a lot of anxiousness in many of us. It's not, if that's what you're feeling, you're not alone. For some of us, it's because we come in and we're feeling physically vulnerable. And there's a lot of people here, I know it, because I know a lot of people here that have a lot going on with their bodies that is difficult. And so there's a real vulnerability around that, around having a roommate that we're sleeping with and what that's going to be like and will we snore and will we be able to sleep. 
and there's vulnerability around around eating and we because we all have so much we have so much suffering and knottedness around food and so there's that self-consciousness and being in close quarters most of us are not used to hanging out with a you know a group of our fellow 100 best friends to meditate for a week you know it's just not our way so there's a lot of that there and can we hold that with compassion that it's going on in most of us to some degree and those insecurities, and that we're in it together. And uh, we really are in it together. And that with intention, we can create that meta field where we're, uh, we sometimes talk about stealth meta, which is where you have somebody in mind and you see them either struggling or something, or they look like they're having a great time, but you send a wish for that person. You know, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering. What if we all decided through this retreat, we're not going to be looking at each other, and we'll talk more about that. It's really actually we're going to, out of respect, really let, let the silence hold. But what if we still, because you'll see people out of the corner of your eye, you know, we sent stealth meta messages. What if we really did that? And you knew they were coming to you, and you knew you were sending them. Does that sound like a good idea? You on for it? <laughs> okay. A short reading. Because basically, the Dalai Lama's most wonderful teaching in my mind was that our true religion is kindness. I mean, really, that if if we made that right at the center, this world would be okay. This is called on the A train. The silver-haired man who smiled at me on the subway was very old and poorly dressed, but wore his age and shabby blazer with elegance. It was a day so steamy, hot, and humid that people looked at each other more than usual, too welted to bother looking away. Most of them just stared and sighed without the energy to even nod. The old man and I looked at each other in that enervated way, and then we looked again and started to smile. I got a slight sense of shining from all the gold in his teeth. I also got an instant jolt of connection. That's half the battle, he said. It's half one when you get one person to smile at you during the day. What's the other half, I asked, still smiling. I don't know, he laughed. I'm not old enough yet. (laughs) Again, it's silence. We're not looking, but it's half the battle if we can be here sending messages of care, holding each other in our hearts. Okay, the last piece. This is relating to ourselves, relating to each other. Last piece is relating to practice. And I've um, now been practicing or teaching for um, probably four decades plus, and I have seen people stop, I've seen them plateau, and I've seen people keep on waking up, and I'd say the single factor that makes the difference has nothing to do whether what religion, Buddhist, this, that, even what practice, you know, Tai Chi, Vipassana. It's really a quality of sincerity, um, loving truth, loving love, loving waking up. Do you know what I mean? That, that it's kind of an innocence. It's just pure sincerity. And it is 
incredibly powerful and um, really energizes practice to remember your sincerity and what you care about at the beginning of a sitting, at the beginning of a day, in any given moment. Any moment you remember what matters to you, you're coming home to more of who you are. Okay? So that's the last piece I want to share, and we're going to close my piece with a, a reflection on aspiration, which we do at all of our retreats because it's so powerful. So um, what we'll do is uh, get into groups of three for this because I'll be asking for you to share and bear witness to each other afterwards. So if you will, just to find two other people and on silence if you can, coming around and kind of sitting close in, knee to knee to knee. And if you find there's nobody right around you to sit with, just stand up and... Okay, so we're going to be um, reflecting in a moment, but just to decide who's going to be um, the first person to speak. Could the person with the brightest colors, whoever's wearing the brightest colors right now, be the first person to go? And then you can go... (laughs) Any groups all in black? (laughs) Okay, so coming into quietness. Yeah, so close your eyes, if you will. And invite yourself to arrive. It's very hard to get in touch with our heart's intention if we're all scattered. So you might collect yourself with your breath a little, taking a few long, deep, full breaths. Letting the breath resume its natural rhythm, taking a few moments just to scan through your body, let go of any unnecessary tension or tightness. The Buddha taught that this entire experience of life arises from the tip of intention. When we begin to sense our intention by feeling the heart and just sensing whatever mood or energy is here right now. So you're listening inwardly. Listening to the state of your heart. And the beginning of this inquiry is to sense what's really most important to you really what your spiritual life aspires to, not as a future goal, but right in the moment. Like what is, if you were going to die in just a few moments, what would be most important? What do you most value? What's the quality or experience that you aspire to right here and now? How do you want to be? And don't assume you know. See if you can, in a fresh way, really listen in. Right now, right in this very juncture of your life, what feels most important?
Sometimes you'll get a sense of something and you can even drop it deeper and say, but what is it about that? What is it I really cherish or want to experience? What is it that's really mattering? And with whatever you're touching, based on this, sense your aspiration for this retreat. It may have a more particular shape to it. What is your deepest intention for this retreat? And please know that it's fine if it doesn't come together in a coherent phrase or words. It's the inquiry, really, that matters. You may sense it right here and now, or it may be over time. But just to ask the question, what's my deepest intention, my aspiration for this retreat? In a few moments, we're going to be sharing and bearing witness and just a couple of guidelines it's just, it's a brief sharing it's just a sharing it'll be with under two minutes where you'll be just naming whatever you noticed and it may be that you might say you know I, I wasn't sure but here are some things that I noticed but just to name what, what you are sensing as your aspiration for the retreat Um, When one person speaks, the other two are holding a space of um, kindness and acceptance and presence, completely silent. We'll let you know when the two minutes are done, and then you can come into silence, and then we'll tell you when to move on to the next person. Okay, so opening your eyes, and first person, please begin. you might close your eyes and just take a moment to hold what was shared honoring it okay next person please begin Okay, and third person, and if you happen to be in a pair, you get a bonus round. You can talk to each other. Again, taking a moment to pause. And in this pause, you might... Uh, do a bit of stealth metta, just sensing each person that has shared and sensing that person's heart, feeling yourself wishing that person well.
And as you're ready, opening your eyes, and I'm aware that you've shared your deep aspirations. If you'd like to now just share your names and say hello for a moment, (laughs) please feel free. And just listen to your body and just do any sort of stretches that it needs right now. Twisting, turning, bending over. Send your arms above your head, breathing. Yawning. (laughs) And whenever you're ready, you can just come back down to your seat. So my name is La. My pronouns are they, there, and them. I've um, been in contact with many of you prior to the retreat with regards to being the registrar of the retreat, and it's um, really great to put names to faces and um, be here tonight with all of you. So as we arrive and settle into this retreat, I echo what Tara said about inviting you uh, to co-create this refuge of compassion and kindness and acceptance and love. So for me, the Dharma and the practice of mindfulness is one of remembering what matters most in a culture that can often take things for granted, like history and those who came before us. So I'd like to humbly offer this remembrance. So I call upon my ancestors to stand with me as I make this acknowledgement. We begin by acknowledging that this retreat is being held on Piscataway land, and honor all traditional custodians of this region, appreciating the opportunity to practice on this land and asking the ancestors' blessings in being here. We pay respect to the enslaved African peoples brought to, held, and sold on this land and their descendants. We recognize the continuing struggle for liberation and we pay respect to elders, past, present, and emerging. So remembering the history, the suffering, the pain that has taken place on this land and all over the planet, and recognizing that what we're coming here to do together is to wake up to the ignorance, greed, hatred, so we can begin to turn this all around. So from the Dhammapada, they go to many a refuge, to mountains, forests, parks, and shrines, people threatened with danger. That's not the secure refuge. That's not the highest refuge. That's not the refuge, having gone to which you gain release from all suffering and stress. But when having gone for refuge to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, you see with right discernment the Four Noble Truths, stress, the cause of stress, the transcending of stress, and the Noble Eightfold Path, the way to the stilling of stress, That's the secure refuge. That, the highest refuge. That is the refuge, having gone to which you gain release from all suffering and stress. So as we begin our retreat, I invite you 
to take refuge in the Buddha, the historical figure who 2,600 years ago awakened to reality and offered practices and teachings to cultivate true happiness and to alleviate suffering. And I invite you on this retreat to actually reflect on the Buddha within you, your own Buddha nature, as the Dalai Lama calls it, your own innate goodness, having faith and trust in your capacity to awaken. The refuge of the Dharma, the teachings and practices of the Buddha, but it's also life as it's unfolding. And how do we cultivate compassion and wisdom to skillfully meet whatever arises? And then lastly, the Sangha, traditionally referring to the monastics. In the West, it is the community of individuals who come together to support each other on this path of awakening. So here on this retreat, honoring the noble silence, may we inspire each other to practice, whether it be sitting in the hall, walking outside, eating our meals, or sharing and listening at group meetings. So on this retreat, we'll have optional refuges within the refuge for groups who are often oppressed and marginalized within our culture to practice together. When I started practicing with IMCW over 21 years ago, you know, I went to Tara's class for the first time. Other than the Buddha sitting next to her, I was the only person of color in the room. I'm glad that 21 years later that looks a bit different. And so we're cultivating these smaller sits that will happen, um, and they're listed on the board, um, three times a week for people of color and three times a week for LGBTIQ people. As a way to create a space where um, folks can feel seen and respected and heard, not that it doesn't happen in the larger hall, but there's something about when I went on my first people of color retreat after going to mainstream retreats for seven years, that I actually felt this sense of like, oh, people in front look like me. The people around me look like me. I feel reflected. And the level of the, um, my practice just deepened like almost immediately. Whereas when I've gone on mainstream retreats, it takes a little while, you know, because there's this armor that I've built up as a transgender person of color, you know, throughout my life where I've had to guard and, and um, myself, you know, from uh, the dominant culture. So these sits are optional. So even if you identify these groups, it's not a requirement. It's just Kate and I will be holding this space so that whoever would like to, um, to join and be a part of this, if it would be bene- beneficial to your practice, we are most welcoming of you. So it's on the board, Bolton board in the uh, hall, um, in the lobby, I'm sorry. For people of color, the sit is at 2.15 in the orchard room, which is the room where you checked in on Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday. And the LGBTIQ sits are on Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 2.15 in the orchard room as well. On Monday at 1.05 um, in the Citron room upstairs where we did the orientation, newcomer's orientation, there will be a 12-step recovery meeting um, this Monday at 1.05 in the Citron room upstairs. So we want to acknowledge that there are definitely other uh, categories of folks that um, may want to meet in this sort of way, um, but for 
a lot of different reasons, mostly logistical, um, we offer it to these two particular groups in our culture right now. So um, if you have any questions about um, why we're doing this, there's um, a couple of copies of an article by Jesse Maceo Vega Frey um, that speaks to this in, um, in a really beautiful way. So if you'd like to understand more of what that's about. So um, just like to close these refuges, sometimes we do the traditional chanting of the refuges, but um, I'd like to offer uh, this chant instead. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how my thoughts would make me cry. And I knew when I took a glance at the Buddha that I'd have a chance of maybe being happy for a while. Because his compassion made hearts quiver with every teaching he delivered. With bad news on our doorsteps, how can we take one more step? And when it's time to heed the call and radically accept what's to befall, you ain't going to find it in some shopping mall. (laughs) True refuge, no need to stall. So bye-bye, false refuge, bye-bye. No more donuts or heartbreaking, ain't no place left to hide. Got dharmic skills, no need to bump up my pride. Buddha's wisdom is a powerful guide. The Buddha's wisdom is a powerful guide. Well, he taught us how to love, to trust ourselves beyond and above. Can you find your breath again? Does your body feel much more than whole? Has sitting saved your mortal soul? And uh, I can teach you how to walk real slow. Because you know mindfulness is the way to change. Uh, to- to save us from our everyday, so just kick off your shoes before entering the hall. Do I was a lonely drop in the ocean wave, but true refuge saved this ducad nave. I found freedom from my pain. We can begin again. And we were singing bye-bye, false refuge, bye-bye. No more donuts or heartbreaking, ain't no place left to hide. Got dharmic skills, no need to bump up my pride. Buddha's wisdom is a powerful guide. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Kate. I use she, her, and hers pronouns. And, um, oh, thanks. I just got a sound boost. Um, uh, I'm just so happy to be here um, and to support this retreat. Uh, It was a very special time. I found myself, you know, sitting up here and getting more and more excited, and I thought, okay, pretty soon it's going to be hard to be cool, you know? Just like kind of vibrating, um, so thank you so much for uh, inviting me to join you, and um, thank you so much for being willing to take this time away from the flow of daily life and the um, kind of persistent pulse of it, and to to step away and and to um, uh, deepen and reflect in a way that that certainly serves all of life. Again, um, 
my part here is to talk to you about the five precepts, which are the ethical guidelines for how we'll be together in this retreat. Um, they're the guidelines that lay people take in Buddhist traditions um, around ethical conduct. And um, for me, I often think of them as the, the five ways of describing what it might be like to live in an enlightened society. And um, certainly, you know, when I look at society at large, that we have a little ways to go um, uh, in terms of being able to live together in, in love and freedom the way that I, I think might be possible eventually. Um, but that here we can kind of make a small uh, version of what that might be like together, and these are the principles that will uh, abide by in order to, to try to do that as best we can. Um, they're f- framed in their traditional way as a, um, what we don't do, so that's kind of like a, a series of things that we renounce. And with renunciation, I often think of it as uh, giving up something of, of lesser value in order to get something of greater value. So the first one is to refrain from killing um, or, or doing harm. Um, and certainly, you know, for some of us, the vegetarian food will be supportive for that in terms of our diets. Um, it's kind of fun on retreat to take a little extra care of the uh, creatures that crawl on the earth and sometimes crawl on the buildings, <laughs> you know, um, to take care not to step on them and to move them outside. Um, I was thinking as Tara spoke also, the kinds of ways that we um, harm ourselves even with our thoughts, judgment, um, fixing, that there's subtle ways in which we can let go of um, harming. And when we let go of that, um, we get to live together in ways that are life-affirming and that actually celebrate life, our own life, and our uh, collective aliveness. Um, So that's the first precept. Um, The second is to refrain from taking what's not not offered. Um, So... uh, you know, certainly material things, but also, um, you know, the ways in which we can subtly take up more space than we really need, um, especially if we've kind of grown up in a way um, or socialized in a way where we don't really think about that. Uh, um, And so when we we stop taking what's not given or what's not offered, we uh, get to live in a space where we have... um, where everyone gets to have enough and we can have trust that when we leave, leave something, um, when we come back, it'll still be there. The third one is about refraining from um, sexual conduct. And, um, you know, on retreat, it is uh, really common to have fantasy arise, to have longing arise, to have desire arise, but we're kind of deciding to live in a way where even if it does come up, um, we can be aware of it and not act on it. And when we do that, we create a space that is, um, you know, feels safe for, for all of us, where we have this um, way we can live together like, I don't know, siblings and a simplicity of being good spiritual friends to one another with no strings attached and no extra expectation. Um, that can feel very liberating for many of us. Um, so that's why we don't, we don't act on it. 
And the fourth one is about, um, well, really it's refraining from lying, which is going to be easy because we're in noble silence. (laughs) um, And I just want to talk a little bit about what that means um, for some of you who are on retreat for the first time. This might be the first time where you're committing to silence for a period of time. And uh, this does mean not speaking to one another, um, except, of course, if it's absolutely necessary, like, hey, there's a fire, tick on your neck, you know, these kinds of things (laughs) Um, might be worth mentioning. Uh, But other than that, we're refraining from kind of uh, chit-chat. It includes writing notes to one another. Um, (laughs) I just, like, visualize the pile of notes that I'd have in my backpack at the end of a day in high school, like, you know. Um, So we're not not passing notes to each other in the hall. Um, And... uh, Although, if you need to write a note to a teacher or a, a manager, that's totally fine. And then there's even this um, sense of just um, kind of collecting ourselves and refraining from other modes of c- communication. So um, uh, even eye contact is not something that we're necessarily seeking out. And this, for me, when I, when I first started sitting retreats in this form, was the biggest... Um, the biggest shift, you know, I definitely have stuff around feeling unseen or not being acknowledged, and so um, lowering the eyes uh, felt kind of cool to me sometimes. Um, The reason why we do this is that uh, there can be actually a lot of demand in eye contact, and um, there's a way in which here we get to... um, give each other some privacy so that we can uh, not have to kind of wear a mask on the face, but the face can be what it is. We don't need to smile so that we make other people feel comfortable um, and uh, or have to respond to other people in a particular way. So it's kind of a way to release each other from that, that type of social interaction. Although um, many times when we do that, I guess I just want to say that even though we're not speaking and even though that we're not seeking out eye contact, there's just not a prayer in the world that we're not always all interconnected, right? And there are so many other ways to feel that, the stealth meta, the um, intimacy of sitting side by side with someone in the hall, the meditation hall or in the dining room, um, you know, the sending of warmth forward when we're standing waiting for to get food. There's just... Um, we're still together and we can still um, feel with our embodied presence that we're together in this, even though we're not making eye contact or talking. I I hope that you can feel that at some point during this this week. Um, And you don't have to be super rigid about it. Like if you accidentally catch someone's eye, you didn't do something wrong, we're not going (laughs) to kick you out. Like, um, uh, so... um, you know, these are their aims, and it, we don't have to make it weird or something. Um, uh, sometimes people ask about journaling. And um, we're just asking that you, if you journal, you know, ask if it serves you coming into presence and um, really awakening. So it might not be the time to work on your, you know, first novel, but um, if there are a few things that it helps to jot down, uh, especially if it can allow you to be fully present to the moment after. Um, That's totally okay. And we'll just ask that that be um, 
not in the meditation hall, right? Um, in your in your room or in the um, in the common spaces. Except for in the Dharma talks, you can write um, if you want to make notes. Thanks. Um, and the last thing about noble silence uh, to say is that, uh, well, at least for me, is um, about electronic media. And so um, we're maintaining silence here with each other and also um, releasing our contact with, uh, you know, friends and um, family that we might be texting or calling. Um, so this... Uh, is different <laughs> than most of us, how we live our lives on a day-to-day basis. And, um, and it's difficult uh, for many of us to let go of that. Um, and it's also, it can be, you know, to be, <laughs> to be in silence in a space like this and to go back to the room and, like, text somebody, it can be just the, the way of, of um, leaking energy that actually does impact our own process, that does impact the retreat. And so one of the things I try to think about in this way is like, is it possible for me to actually tolerate the power of my own undivided attention and not look for ways to kind of let off some steam here and there and to see what it's like to actually have the urge to communicate something? Um, You know, the mind will continuously be like, oh, I can't wait to tell this and can't wait to tell that. And eventually it'll notice I'm not telling anybody anything, you know? And then what happens on the other side of that can be so interesting. So, um, you know, don't give up before the miracle. Um, And then the last... uh, precept is about intoxicants that cloud the mind. Um, so these are, uh, we want to really encourage you to continue um, taking any medications that, um, that are prescribed by doctors that help you to be um, present and healthy. Um, and we're all refraining from taking any um, mood-altering, mind-altering substances that are not prescribed um, because we're in the business of awakening here. And when we give those up, uh, we get a community that is dedicated to kind of clarity and presence in a way that can be very refreshing. Um, So um, I guess to take these, I'd love for you to just, um, you don't have to do anything special with your body, but if you'd like to close your eyes or lower your gaze, you can, and just um, take a moment to imagine what this might be like actually to live in a world, in a society where there's no killing and no harming, and there's a deep abiding respect for all life, big and small. Can we sense into what that might be like? And in this world where no one takes more than they need, no one takes what's not theirs, and everyone can be sure that there's enough for them. A world where there's no misuse of sexuality, where people's bodies feel safe, safe to say yes, safe to say no, no transgression. A space where people don't harm each other with words, where we always speak the truth.
in a world where clarity and presence is a high, high value. And then, you know, if you, and we're asking everyone to agree to these precepts for this week, can just make some kind of signal to acknowledge your participation in this, um, these precepts this week. You could raise your hand, put your hand on your heart, do something that your body um, can do to just acknowledge that this is, this is how we're going to aim to live as best we can together for ourselves and for each other and as an acupuncture point that might help heal the world around us. Thank you for that. I'd like to acknowledge what a very long day this has been. I can only imagine all that it has taken for you to clear the decks, to have this time of, of intensive practice. So it's my deep honor to share this adventure with you. Um, Jonathan, pronouns he, him. And a lot of what we've talked about tonight is about creating a safe container. And whenever I sit a retreat, it, I always have some moment when I realize people are cooking for me, people are cleaning up after me, people are full-time concerned for my welfare. My job is to relax and pay attention. When we speak of the precepts of the guidelines, when we speak of the refuges, when we talk about some of the best practices for being on retreat, they're all about creating the safe container for, for every one of us to take this time to slow down and to be fully and deeply present. One of the analogies I keep coming back to again and again from Joseph Campbell is this image of a big circle this horizontal line through the circle. Above the line is everything you're aware of. And below that line is what you're not aware of. Everything that's unseen, unfelt. And you can move the line. When you relax and you pay attention, you begin to feel things you hadn't felt before. You begin to notice things you hadn't noticed before. And it is truly a miracle of mindfulness to keep coming back to the sense of of non-judging awareness, non-judging presence, saying yes to what is here. It's an extraordinary thing. And part of what we need to really take on this practice is sleep. So um, we're going to do uh, a brief meditation, and then we'll take some time uh, for sleep. There's one thing I like to do just for myself when I'm on retreat, because there's something about this practice of formally going into silence. It's very easy to forget that I'm surrounded by other people. So you might like to, just in silence, just to look and to the person to your left, to your right, behind you, in front of you, and just with your eyes, just wish them well. If you could do that now. Just noticing these around, these are the people who are going to be around you for this next week. Wish them ease and well-being. And if you like, you can reach your arms up overhead 
And just stretch up through the left side, the right side. You can lift your chin up toward the ceiling. Open your jaw wide. See if you can invoke in the yawn reflex and let out any sounds. Oh. Then if you like, you can close your eyes and leave your arms extended up overhead. And feel the space between your fingers and thumbs. And slowly now, let your hands begin a descent down toward your lap. Feeling your hands as they move through space. And with the eyes closed. In your own way, sense who you are as the one who is aware. Feeling the aliveness of the senses, sound vibrations around you. Air touching your skin. smell, taste, and the perception of light beyond your closed eyes. As we create this container for you and for all those around you, We're exploring this fundamental distinction. Noticing the story, the cognitive, the narrative. And noticing the direct, intimate experience of here and now. You might feel your forehead smooth. Could you relax your tongue in a way that it fills your lower jaw? Letting all expression from today soften and melt away from your face. And sensing the belly, the lower back, the buttocks. feeling the soles of the feet. Palms of the hands. Noting this quality of deep relaxation. And at the same time, a quality of alertness. How intimately can you feel this breath on the inside right now?
How intimately can you feel or receive the sound vibrations around you right now? How intimately can you sense a sense of pulse or tingling, vibration or aliveness inside? We officially move into social silence. If you'd like to stay and sit, please feel free to use this room. Sleep well, sleep deep. And we have an, an announcement from him before we break. Deep apologies to interrupt the bedtime. Um, if you came late and you did not check in in the registration hall, please um Come meet me right outside these doors as you're on your way out. And if you are sleeping in room 211, 211, please also come meet me. We have a date outside those doors before you go to bed. Thank you. Have a sweet, sweet dream sleep. There are trash cans and compost and recycling all over the grounds. Yep. Feel free to rock it out. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.